The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the Process Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the new Process Pup Patch at bigbarker.com slash Ricky and Kinetic Skateboarding. Get nine point <clears throat> one. Let me redo Oh, okay. I'll keep it in there. 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. Going to charge Kinetic extra for the, uh, for the cough and you chiming in. On the show today, the Sixers get run out of the building in Houston, uh, unable to grab the third seed, which is elusive, has been elusive. Get a chance at that on Sunday. Joel Embiid still sitting out. Shake Milton back playing basketball again. A little bit of Ricky panic coming from Andrew Unterberger on the Tobias Harris trade. We'll talk about that. No AU today, but we will talk about it. Um, an interesting question in the mailbag about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and also about team building. Um, players we like watching who aren't on the Sixers, and a new Sixers song that you haven't heard yet, but it mentions the Ricky, a rap song um, we got an email about. So we'll just, we'll lay that in there at the end. Before we get going, um, one of our charities, our two charities this year are coded by kids in the Providence Animal Center. Providence Animal Center has a, G-A-L-A, gala or gala? I say gala. Gala? The Providence Animal Center Gimme Shelter Gala, April 13th at the Inn at Villanova. They asked me to host it, so I'm going to host it. Um, tickets include a cocktail hour with hors d'oeuvres, open bar, full dinner, Rolling Stones tribute band, and like lots of dogs there, and a silent auction. Go to this post on our website or go to providenceac.org um, to get tickets. And speaking of tickets, the lottery party... Looks like we're going to have an announcement next week. I, I think it is very important, Mike, that we don't have any normies or a very low percentage of normies at this particular lottery party. Um, yes, there was a chance right? that we would have had a lot of normies, and that would have been cool based on the guests that we had. Um, but now that, don't, don't keep bringing that up. But now that's not happening, <laughs> yeah. we, need, we, need the, uh, we need process the process folks to, to come yeah. on out. Yeah, so the best way to do that, we're going to have a pre-sale, and that will only happen if you are a newsletter subscriber. So even if you unsubscribe after the lottery party goes on sale, please subscribe now so we get as many weirdos in there. Low normie percentage, please. Um, just go to com slash newsletter to sign up there. Without any further ado... Here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke powder to push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rights of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy in the quiet room. That is Mike Levin. Very excited. Does this mean we're not going to get sirens this time? Or oh no, we definitely get sirens. This oh, this okay. is the the quiet room is just quiet in relation to the uh, the highway that I recorded right. on when Alyssa's <laughs> sleeping. You always sound like you're in the middle of the highway. That's right. It's, it's, it's good. Best, have best quality, yeah. Surrounded. So before we get to the Houston game, which uh, I, I, was pretty bad, um, I, uh, I noticed something. I had a, a bit of a theory I came up with as I was uh, scouring the internet last night after the game and actually the last week of Sixers. So there is a... a, uh, a People talk about concern trolling all the time, and I think we all know what concern trolling are, is. But I've, I've noticed a, the opposite of concern trolling, which is um, what I've deemed this morning the worry police. And the worry police are the people that anytime you have any sort of concern about the team, uh, like quote tweet you and go, imagine being worried about this in March. Or uh, imagine not thinking Brett Brown is a good coach. Or, and just when you're trying to like say, I don't like this or this isn't good or whatever. And the, uh, the worry police are out in full force after the last two Sixers games in regard to it just being March and them having four lineups this year and uh, this team not being able to, uh, not, not having played a lot together and Embiid not being out there, which are all true things. But the, the 
the, the true concern is I don't think at this point you can go, well, they've barely played together and it's a whole new team, but then not at all be concerned about the playoffs being basically five weeks away. And like, there's, there's not a long history of teams who have made as many significant changes as the Sixers have during this season and ending up in the finals. In fact, like I would imagine that list is basically just last year's Cavs, I guess. And I, I don't even know if the, their changes were as significant as the Sixers were no, this year. No, they weren't. So, um, so I, I don't think, I think it is fair to be like without Embiid playing and, and getting time with this team, with the fact that this team has, has barely played together and most of the team is new like within the season, most of the key players, if you consider uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Mike Scott, um, all like really like important Ennis or whoever's going to fill that role. Um, maybe in the, the future, you're not like worried about where they are. But if the goal is the finals this year, like I would put them given like, I, I guess it's possible, but the teams they'll be going up against in, in terms of like the, 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 the contenders in the East have all basically been together for two years uh, with the only significant change being Toronto adding Leonard, but the rest of the team is the same and Leonard fills a similar role to the guy who, who left. I, I, I guess I just like, I don't think it is wrong to be concerned that this team is nowhere near as good as they need to be to get to the finals. That's long, but that's, that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, is this team, like, good enough? They, I think they certainly have the talent, and I think, uh, especially the longer Embiid's out, they, they will need to gel and mesh rather quickly, and hopefully they get a favorable first-round matchup in a 3-6 where they can, uh, you know, I don't know about sleepwalk, but, like, you know, work some things out um, before facing a, a much harder opponent in the second round. Um yeah, I mean, like Toronto had a pretty decent, pretty big trade in in the Marcus Hole trade earlier in the season, um, losing a bunch of rotation guys and and switching them in, but it's still relatively the same team, and and they still are pretty deep. Um, I, I that's a, it's a singularly this this much turnover within a season multiple times is absolutely a singularly Sixers problem, um, and you can just see it in. In like who they're running out there, like Amir Johnson was in the G League, like it's, it was like he's never playing again. We're never going to talk to him again, and he's like starting and playing like minutes, and people were clamoring for him to to be come back in. in the game against the yeah. Bulls because he was the one that would f- be able to defend Zach Levine in the open court. Uh, we don't even have Boban. Jonah Bolden is. I mean, actually, only, only had one foul last night, but he he uh, decided not to foul at the expense of uh, playing any defense. Um, <laughs> right. We got to sort of bridge that gap. Um, but like, there is Justin Patton's playing. He doesn't. They, they should have more players that can play, especially when after the false trade, depth should now be like on their side. And I know Embiid's out, and that obviously hurts him a million. Boban's out. Corkmise uh, is out, so they don't have another like somewhat true shooter behind Redick. Um. So it's and Shake I think would be making a difference at this point, but I'm happy to hear that he is uh, on the mend because he'll be playing major playoff minutes. Um, along with Zaire Smith, along with Zaire, Zaire that's Shake. right. Yeah. That's, honestly, that's the second unit. Give it to me. But like it, the whole thing was they got this like fake bench to start the year, and we're like, hmm, looks like nobody can defend over there. That's fine. And then they upgraded it theoretically at the deadline. And they got Mike Scott, who is now has been punishing AU for freeing him from Muscala prison uh, with yes. just dumb oh mistake after dumb mistake and, and, and sort of looking like a spaz. And missed shot. And, uh, and, all yeah. over the place. Like taking yep. a step back contested too. Not, <laughs> not, not what I'm interested in, Mike Scott. Um, it was like he saw Harden do it and said, I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Ennis, who has his moments and then also has, like, totally spazzy moments, and Jonathan Simmons, who's just a walking spaz. It's just, like, it seems like they got guys that, like, theoretically can play defense and theoretically can fill a role, but, like, 
they don't know where to be still. They they're not like competent, like comfortable offensive players. Maybe that'll come in time once they like just are with the team more. But like, you know, they traded Shamit, a guy who looked like very comfortable and competent on the offensive end, even as a rookie. And they got these guys who like are not there. And that in addition to, I I agree that the bench needed an upgrade. And I think, I I think I would still take this version of the bench over the previous version of the bench. Um, But like, it's got to be coming together. Like they can't be, we're playing for this year and we're also not, the regular season doesn't matter. And we're, and we're playing for the future, but also we went and got all these guys mid season so we can go take a swing at them. And if this doesn't end well, odds are we're not keeping at least one of Jimmy or Tobias and it starts to sow resentment and stuff. So I just think like they're, not messaging because they're not like talking about this publicly, but like from the outside in terms of what the intent is, and now with Josh Harris actually making a statement and saying like it's not good enough if we do what we did last year, it's like there has to be some awareness of like, I mean, they it's got to come together really quickly, and to this point, aside from a few spurts here and there, it hasn't looked like it's going to. And, and and remember, this is a team that, like, basketball just takes a while to, I, I know I bring up this example way too much, but the, the last lockout year when the Sixers started off, I think 11 and three or something, and they had this incredible advantage simply because they had the same guys. Like, that was one of the biggest advantages that that team had when Spencer Hawes looked like Arvidas Sabonis for, for a month was, uh, was continuity. And, uh, and I don't blame them. I mean, I, I could pick apart the people or the, it, I, I don't blame them for the idea of making either trade, right? Like no. I, I, I understand it, but, but that said, it is, it is very strange for it to come along with, and, and this is one of the years, you know, because it does seem unlikely to me given they have, they have 17 games left or something, they will barely practice. Uh, who knows? I, maybe Embiid. I think Embiid will be back within the next week. If it isn't Sunday, that would be my my guess. But that's just not a lot of time in in the real basketball, the real basketball world. It's just not a lot of time. So I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with being like. Of course, you don't have to say somebody needs to get fired or this team is a failure. Like I'm I'm trying to separate the two extreme sides. Yeah. But I think it is completely reasonable to look at this team right now and go, well, how are they going to beat the Raptors or the Bucks? Like, how are we going to beat them four out of seven times? Um, and it, it I, I think that's a, a reasonable concern to have at this point, given, given the time left and the amount of change. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to, to the certain extent, like are, if they, if they care if they care more about being healthy and ready for the playoffs and they care about the regular season, then like, why did like Simmons and Tobias Harris play like 40 minutes the other night? And why, right. and why in a game that, that was over pretty much after the first quarter do Tobias, Jimmy and Ben all play about 34 minutes? Like, why can't that be 28? Why can't that be like, Hey, we didn't win this one. Let's just get, you know, whatever. But it's also like, okay, well we need to, we need to get guys to play together. And so they can, start working on a play together but I, I think this game was this game seemed very over by like in, like halfway through the first quarter it seemed like they yeah. it was just like they, the effort's not there they're playing sloppy nobody's moving on defense they don't understand I, I, I did love the Ben blocking uh, Harden twice in the same possession that was pretty cool um, but that was kind of the extent of it uh, it was a really bad game like I was I'm not like a, they should be embarrassed guy but like they should, they should have been embarrassed by that by last night. Like that was an awful game. The, the effort was just not there at all. They weren't playing well together. They weren't moving the ball. I mean, the thing that Houston does is they make you play isolation basketball because they'll just switch everything, and they feel that uh, Harden and Paul are like strong enough, and, and Eric Gordon are strong enough to like hang in the post against anybody. Now against Embiid, that won't happen. They won't be able to do that. But the Simmons post game isn't refined enough to be able to just take anybody no. in the post. 
And you can't take PJ. PJ Tucker's going to be able to guard him in the post. And actually, Harden, if he's, you know, this has been said over and over and over again, but he is strong. And the, yeah. the one defensive thing he's pretty good at is defending people in the post. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's not the same sort of advantage to getting, uh, you know, I don't, getting Zach Levine in the post. It's a different thing. Yeah. And so it just seemed like nothing was coming together quickly on the offensive end. Uh, they weren't. Like getting into their sets, it didn't seem like they were even having sets. It was just like sort of wait for so someone holds the ball and waits for like some screens, and they come eventually. And then it's like, all right, there's eight seconds left on the shot clock. I got to break my man down, and then it's Mike Scott time. And it's just like it's just bad. I mean, look bad. Obviously, it's it, the the. I, I do think the game was out of hand very quickly, and I don't think that there's a chance they ever came back. Even when they cut it to like 13 or 14, I was like, I'm not, I don't buy it. Like, I, it just doesn't seem like it came together. It seemed like Houston kind of fell asleep for a second, and and then Sixers kind of crept back in. There was like a nine nothing or eleven nothing run at one point. Um, but I mean, they shot three of 26 from three. Like, that's not going to happen again. Well, it's not going to happen much. Um, but it it just it was it was a really bad game, and one of those games that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and it's like. Like, who on this team is going to step up and, like, have a backbone and just decide, like, fuck this. Like, we're not going to lose to this Houston team by this much. Or yeah. we're going to, like, or, start or making We're not going to get crushed by this. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to let us lose by 35 to this Houston team. Yeah, and I wish they lost by 35 because they should have. Like, yeah. the, the game was – it was a 16-point loss, but it was much closer to 25 than it was to 16 for the, most of the game. And I think, I think like, one, one – oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, answer. like – there was a, I was reading an athletic article. I think um, I think I think Rich wrote it, um, saying like, "Oh, their their defense was actually not that bad, holding them to one of seven. It was like they, I mean, Houston scored twenty points in the final quarter because they just stopped giving a shit. Like they turned the ball over because they stopped giving it. Like they were just passing and making dumb passes. Like it wasn't like the Sixers were st- like keeping Houston from doing what they wanted to do. They could get anywhere they wanted, and so I mean." They scored 107 points, which is low for Houston. They didn't take as many threes as normal, or they didn't get to the line that much. Like it was only because the game was out of hand, and they were just not not as engaged as they would have been because it was like this team was a pushover last night. They had they had no juice whatsoever. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. That was definitely a, if you watched the game. Dot dot dots. Or not that Rich didn't watch the game. Obviously, Rich watched the game. But one of the most disheartening things is that they looked really bad on both sides. Yeah. And defensively, I feel like Houston could have scored 150. I, you know, I've the, the Rockets are one team that I think I've watched a pretty significant amount this year. I mean, probably seven games or something. Um, and. Uh, like they were at their, it almost seemed like they were at their most dominant. Harden didn't even look like he needed to try that much. I mean, he was, uh, I mean, he looks that way a lot. He's he's pretty patient and not particularly fast doing anything, but it looked like they could have gotten points. I mean, everything worked. Everything they were doing was working. So they, and the Sixers were, were scrambling defensively and looked really, really, really out of sync offensively. Um, before we, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about the Houston game, but before we do, the Willie Green Apple five-star review makes its way back 2020. 2,286 five-star ratings we're up to mm. as we march on our way to 3,000. Please leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app or iTunes. This one comes from Cassie. Cassie says, this pod ties my two favorite things, delusional fans and an anxiety due to my favorite team. Spike and Mike bring a refreshing yet nihilistic approach to team, which is increasing in popularity from bandwagon fans annually. I would rate six out of five, but Mike won't reply to my Twitter DMs and only limits to a sing- only limits us to a single lick face per pod. Five stars. Only one lick face. Um, yeah, Simmons... Uh, I think one of his worst games last night, I thought, offensively, this year. Um, he looked pretty out of sorts. The the post-up thing wasn't working. Half-court offense, I thought he looked pretty sloppy. The turnovers were sloppy. The blocks on Harden were, were cool. Um, and he did look energized defensively in the beginning, but mm-hmm. overall pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And um, Derek Bodner from The Athletic pointed out um, Butler's three-point percentage f- since the All-Star break. And I went and I looked, and since the All-Star break, Jimmy Butler and Amir Johnson had the same amount of three-point makes this this year. That's not good, man. Not great. I mean, not great. Yeah. If we're talking <laughs> Jimmy the concern, numbers too. You, you are far more out on Jimmy than I am. I 
I still believe in Jimmy as a basketball player and on this team, but that is absolutely the number one concern is like, will you just be able to hit catch and shoot threes? Like, and it seems like, or even take them, even he's take taking them. like two a game. I know he's taking like two threes a game. I don't, I don't know. I don't what know what it, I mean, like I like Jimmy cutting. I like going, I mean, and, and crashing the glass. He had seven offensive rebounds last night and I, and he's been doing that a lot lately. Maybe not seven, but like getting just like getting second chance opportunities. Um, I think that's important, but also, just spacing the floor and being able to be a threat from out there so that Embiid or Ben or TJ or Tobias or whoever can operate, they just, I mean, he's got to be able to hit those shots. And I, I, I don't know why, I don't know where that went. Feels awfully Sixer-ish of him to suddenly get here and not want to shoot threes anymore. Um, have we been here before? Do we, do we just live in a, in a threeless space? Between yeah. Markel and Ben, and oh. you got to If what you're gonna doing? be Mister, if you're gonna be two way player that's good at those things, you have to do those things. You're gonna have to play defense and and hit threes. Yeah, like you're. He has to. He but has all, to. but I mean, like in the fourth quarter, if it's like okay, it's Jimmy time. We're we're doing ISOs. We're doing we're doing screen and roll. We're him like getting his shoulder in front of somebody, getting a guy on their back hip, and, and either getting fouled or, or or attacking the rim, whatever. I'm fine with that, but like. Also, in the first three quarters, yeah, be be able to just like hit a catch and shoot three like competently, and not like it's 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 a t- they attack a closeout every time. It's I mean every time Jonathan Simmons never settles for a catch and shoot three. I mean he's he is just <laughs> dying he's dying for someone to close out on him so he can attack it. Like he's just yeah. like please let me dri- drive by you, please someone. Um, and he's the best he is so fucking great <laughs> in his awfulness he is great in his process sixerness Jonathan yeah Simmons. I really Jonathan Simmons to me is like I really believed in, in him you know having watched him on the Spurs and a little on the Maddox just being like okay he can he can handle a little he can pass a little and he, he attacks the rim angrily like maybe there's something there plus I do like the defense but really he's essentially like a like a pinch runner or like a defensive replacement that you put in like just for the ninth inning and just be like, okay, here you go. This is your role. And when he has to do something else, it's like, oh boy, that's no good. Uh, we have some great mailbag questions and a jigsaw as well. But before we do, Mike, let's talk about Big Barker therapeutic dog beds. Let's do we it. We got, uh, and actually, I, while I'm, I'm looking up the, uh, the, the, we got a couple of great new process pups this week. Um, while I'm looking that up, a quick dog story. I would like to celebrate in a victory my wife and I had over Rebel this morning. Um, so Rebel, as I've mentioned, sleeps in the big barker until about 2 or 3 a.m. And then he climbs into bed. The problem with the Rebel being in bed is when if you move and Rebel thinks it's the morning, you're fucking done. Like if he thinks it's the morning, he will patter around on the floor and cry until I get up with him and go out back. So this morning he did it at about 5 a.m. And on Saturdays, I like to sleep to seven, Mike. And I said to my wife, don't move, we're winning this one. And we both quietly laid back to sleep. Rebel whined for about three minutes and then got back into bed and slept for the rest of the morning. So I'll thank you. Celebrate that win. Uh, welcome Process Pups Henry, who is the official dog of the rights to Ricky Sanchez re-listen. Um, and Lucas, who is in Clayton, Delaware, um, came from the Delaware Humane Association. Great looking dogs. They are now part of the Process Pup section at rightstorickysanchez.com because they ordered Big Barker dog beds and their dogs are now sleeping comfortably and supported on the best dog bed ever made. Um, go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky, get yourself one of the big barkers. And if you order there, you will get two processed pup patches to iron onto the bed or wherever else you want them. Um, this is the true supportive, uh, engineered by experts to support your dog as it gets older, support your dog's joints. As your, you know, your dog gets older, sleeping on the floor, sleeping on a shitty bed that is, is more like a blanket than a bed is going to be bad on their joints just like it would be bad on yours. And uh, your dog matters, so getting your dog the most, the best bed they make, um, and a, a handsome looking bed, I might say as well, the big barker is what you need to do. Um, 
the, the other thing that I like to say about Big Barker, if people log on, they go, oh, this is too expensive. Like, you're gonna have this bed for 10 years. It's got a 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they'll replace it for free. And really, think about all the shit you buy for your dog. Is a good bed really that bad an investment? No, it's the best investment you can make. 10-year warranty, foam won't flatten or they'll replace it for free. One year at-home trial. If your, dog, uh, if your dog doesn't like it, if you don't like it, you can return it and they will pay for the shipping. It is handmade in the USA and the process pup patch is awesome. So uh, right, or bigbarker.com slash Ricky, big Barker dog beds. Woof! Want to give a little credit before we move on from Houston to TJ and Tobias Harris, who both had pretty good games last night. Uh, Tobias Harris got buckets and TJ played like TJ, but um, I think those were pretty much the only bright spots. I didn't even night. think TJ played well. I didn't really? even, I, yeah, I didn't even see it that much. I mean, he 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 always will battle on defense, and and Chris Paul is a guy that he can like. He's not so fast that he can't stay with him, uh, and he's not he's strong, but he's not like just attacking the rim relentlessly like a Westbrook type mm-hmm. or something. So, I think that's a that's a decent matchup, and he also just gets and just pisses hard and off in a fun way. But offensively, it seemed like he was taking like more. You know, that, that 12-foot area is TJ's home, but it seemed like he was taking them more contested, and there were a couple times when he got the ball going to the rim and, like, didn't go up with it. Jimmy had one where he deferred also. And it's like, guys, just if you're at the rim, just just please take the layup. Please, like, at least try to get fouled, get in there or something. And that leads me to... I got to talk, talk about JJ Redick. I got to talk, talk about him. Oh, I know, yeah. I know, he's, I know he's your guy. Yeah, no, uh, no, no. You can uh, you can discuss party boy. So I I like I I have been I would say more positive on Reddick than you had been over the past two years. Yeah. Would you agree with that? For sure, a hundred percent. Okay. Last night was the night I might have broken. I just it might have I might be out in the sense of like sometimes you miss shots, right? Like that's fine. Like sometimes you miss shots, sometimes you get cold. Everybody has cold streaks. JJ's in. One, he talked about on his podcast, which I very enjoyed, his Chris Paul podcast. I thought it was very honest, and they were just having a cool conversation, and it was, it was nice to hear. So I don't, it, my, my criticism with J.J. is not about his podcast. I think, he's, I think he's, at this point, a better podcaster than he is an NBA player. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's the just, takes. He's just so worthless when he's not hitting shots. He's so worthless. He looks like yeah. he, he just doesn't belong on a basketball court if he's not hitting at least a couple shots. He was one of 11 last night. Every time he gets the ball driving to the rim and like the guy's on his hip because they're scared of him pulling up for a jumper, he's going to do that little f- like floating scoop layup, and it's going to hit the back rim and miss like every single every time. Every time. Every use, time. Use the glass. Anything. It's like, dude, you're 6'4". Like, we got to be able to make something happen with that. That can't, that can't be a miss. That can't, you can't come away with no points every time you're driving the ball to the rim. And he's just useless defensively. He gets mad at his teammates when they bump into him he isn't a very good passer I think maybe it'll, it'll come back when Embiid's there and it's like they're gonna have fun and it'll be great again and we'll be all JJ happy and he'll be six and nine from three and it'll be nice but like wh- he has to be such not the biggest negative in the NBA when he's not when he's going through a cold streak he just can't do anything like at least Steph when he's cold is still like able to go to the rim. Obviously, comparing him to Steph is not, is not the right way. But, like, there are guys that do other things. But he is so limited for how much of the offense he takes up when he's not hitting shots. And then he's just such a liability on defense. It's, and he's just so slow, and he's not getting to anything, and there's loose balls that he's just, like, disregarding, basically. <laughs> he's like, I'm not getting to that one. I can't. It's... I'm, it's frustrating to watch him be as bad as he's been. And I feel bad because I can tell that he's struggling with, like, oh, man, I'm just going through a really cold streak and I'm just missing shots. And that, that is the case, and it's happening, and I 100% am aware that he's going to warm up and it's going to be fine. But the, how little he can do other than that is so stark when he's not hitting shots, and it's... I mean, at this point, you just like sit him for a game, like play Shake Milton with one hand. I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't care. He's not doing anything. It's, it's, I mean, it's a, it is a like we have to move on type thing, and that again is is makes you concerned for 
well, at least Shamit could like go to the basket and like back cut yeah. and like dunk occasionally and defend a little more, like those kinds of things. So I don't know. Like, well, that that was you know. Well, actually, just just talk about it now. Um, Underberger wrote a thing on reevaluated in three weeks. Um, so Andrew, so reevaluated, or rather, uh, wait, what's the name? Oh. What's the name of the segment on the, the website? If not, pick uh, will convey as two second rounders. As two second rounders, right. He wrote a thing about uh, the, the Tobias Harris trade. And it is brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding, a, a boutique skateboard shop and a boutique snowboard shop. They carry all the cool skateboard stuff and the snowboard stuff like Burton, Never, Summer, DC, Vans, Union Bindings, full service shop. They do snowboarding, ski tunes, and repairs, and of course your place to get Vans, Nikes, Converse, um, tax-free if you go down there and buy your stuff. Um, and if you buy online, use the code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Um, so we, Underberger, love Landry Shamit. So Andrew emails me on Mondays usually, and he'll go, here's what I'm thinking to write this week. And normally it's very AU-ish, you know? AU's not, not the takiest guy in the world. And he sends me an email. He goes, I want to write a thing about how I can't get out of my head that the Tobias Harris trade is a disaster. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I was like, go for it. And he wrote it. And when you see, they really, Tobias Harris is good. And he prefaced it with Tobias Harris is good. I like him. I really do like Tobias Harris as a player and a, um, uh, a guy with the team. I think he is a, a keeper for sure. But it does really, when you look at the trade without Shamit, it does really seem like they could have pulled that trade off without Shamit. And, and he just spells out the Miami unprotected pick, the Sixers unprotected pick. Um, and even if you included Fultz rather than Shamit, um, if they even, I don't even know if they want Fultz. And maybe Shamit was what they wanted. I don't think they um, wanted Fultz it, for like contract reasons. Right. Um, I, even if, even if Shamit was the thing that, you, that they really wanted, it does seem unlikely that you had to give up all that stuff. And I think it is possible that like we really regret Given, given to your point, Reddick's contract status and, and where he is in his career, we, we will really regret giving up um, Shamit. So a couple things. Shamit was good, yeah. and I think he's going to be a solid NBA player for a long time. I think he has a skill set that you can dip into the draft and get another guy in a similar place for. There's a couple guys that I can think of right now. There's a guy on Kentucky named Tyler Hero who has a similar skill set and might be better defensively. guy on uh, North Carolina named Cam Johnson who is bigger and maybe more like Wayne ellington also. Um, and, you, and those guys that can hit shots on the move and like also attack the rim a little bit also. So the, I think th- that, that prototype is, is available. It's not like that hard to find. Uh, I will say Shamit is good, and you don't have to worry about him like not being good because you know right away it's like, oh, he already did it. But I, my, my issue with the Tobias trade is like I think other teams wanted Tobias and were making offers. And the Sixers mm. probably had to go a little higher than they wanted to in order to make sure that they didn't trade Tobias to someone else. And they said, like, look, we're trying to make the play we're trying to make a finals. Landry Shamit is not the guy that's gonna keep us from it, not having him. So I think it was like, let's just pay a little bit more for Tobias because we think that these four guys can do it, which I get. And I so I, I think the Sixers probably would agree, like we didn't want to trade Shamit, but like we had to to get the deal done, and that's kinda how it goes. I I would love, we will never, probably never know. I would love to know who that was and... Um, what other team? And what they were offering. Yeah, I would just love to know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doubting that it existed. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it existed. I'm just curious. I would, I'd be really curious to know what those offers yeah. were and what they had. I, th- I think you can, you can sort of surmise Brooklyn has been linked to him a lot. I think you could also add Sacramento, who ended up with Harrison Barnes at the deadline. Maybe even Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, they, did they get Miritich yeah. before or after that trade? I think after. after. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, who knows? But uh, maybe the Sixers were bidding against themselves to some extent, but I think they were just like, we got to do what we got to do to get the deal done. And, uh, and yeah. But I hear, the, I, better, hear the, I hear the concern. Better re-sign that guy. I think, they were, I think, that's, I think that's like beside the point. They've been just gushing about yeah. him. I think it's probably... If you said right now, what are the odds of who they sign? I think it's Tobias, and they probably uh, probably let Jimmy walk. Like right now, that's probably like forty eight, fifty two. But 
if a, uh, with a good playoff showing, I think it might just be like, let's keep this band back together and let's go for it next year also. Uh, speaking of that, that's actually a good transition. Let's go to the Lorenzo Brown mailbag. You can send us emails. We've been getting a lot since we've been doing more mailbag at uh, rightstrickysanchez at gmail.com. That is rightstrickysanchez at gmail.com. That is uh, where you can also send your Brian Colangelo relationship advice. That is a good pivot into an email from Marty. I'm genuinely wondering, uh, this was directed toward me, um, I'm genuinely wondering, given your preference and a lot of others to let Jimmy walk, is there any precedent to the approach of using cap space to sign multiple mid-tier contributors to build a championship contender? Generally, it seems to me in recent memory that in terms of championship teams, cap space was used to acquire a superstar player or to add a final rotation piece on the MLE slash vet minimum. This feels like uncharted territory. I'm not totally opposed to it. It just feels like a tight needle to thread. If you knew you could end up with Brogdon, Danny Green, and Trevor Ariza, for example, that's great, but you're not only bidding against incumbent teams, but probably another six to eight with space. With basically no track record of being able to attract free agents, Bielitsa basically lied to us to get, get out of his deal. That's unfair. <laughs> he, he got, but he got three times as much money from Minnesota. He so, did lie to uh, us, though. Yeah. Um, this approach scares me as much as a long-term deal for Butler. Would love to hear you and Mike's take on this as is essentially the most important question the team has to answer this summer. I would, I would, my, my perspective would be this. I would answer that question with another question. I would say, give me the, the history of teams winning championships who have two players on max level deals who are barely top 30 NBA players. And I would imagine you have a pretty short list. And I, to me, and I think Tobias Harris is good, but like, and, and whatever he's making is, is fine. But to have another guy who is, Jimmy Butler will be, as, as what he is this year is, but he's not gonna get better next year. I, I guess is what I would say. He might become more integrated, but he's only getting older. Um, I really, I, I know people say that it's hot takey, but I didn't love the like, why is he the only guy who is talking shit at the end of the Bulls game loud enough for everyone to hear? Um, I think he's like, just, I, I think I, that, that was just like, I'm fired up and I'm pissed off. Like we just lost to the fucking did it, Bulls. He did but he did it twice. Then, 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 then be better. I, I don't know. Like, don't call out your coach loudly in front of the rest of the. Forgetting about that. Forgetting about that. I I, forgetting about that. What what team is paying? It, it, within four years, or, uh, rather within two years, they will have four guys on thirty plus million dollar contracts. Two of them at like thirty five million dollar contracts, um, and two of them will definitely be. Um, Tobias Harris at his best is top 20-ish at his best, if we hope he gets better. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Butler is on his way to falling out of that. And I would say he's probably 25, 30. I know you'd, you'd probably guess a little higher. What I would say is that our, our contract situation would be closer to the Wizards than it would be to a championship team. And I just, that's on them. Like, is there a precedent for it? I don't know. I like, the, the Rockets are built that way. The Rockets are basic are basically built that way. They, they have to do a better job of getting rotation players, and I think it is less about what the options are and more about I think a Butler Max will like potentially ruin the next five years of the team. I think it will be dead weight as soon as you sign it. You'll always be able to trade Tobias Harris on on that deal for the next four years or five years. I don't think that that is the case with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so. maybe. I mean, you're looking around, yeah. you know, I think the the kinds of teams, I think you look at Toronto and Boston as teams that have guys signed to like that mid, that, that like medium amount of contract. That's mm -hmm. not like, we don't have a ton of guys earning like tw 25 plus. We got a bunch of like Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, like uh, Jalen Brown is on a rookie contract, Jason Taylor, like those guys in like the 10 to 15, that kind of thing. Looking at guys that are free agents, you could look at Trevor Reza, you could say Bazemore, uh, Damari Carroll, Middleton's going to get maxed, Marvin Williams, Thad, uh, MKG, KCP, Terrence Ross, Danny Green. Like it's not a thrilling list of guys. Garrett Temple, Miritich, Alfred Camino, Hazonia, well, you look, Jeremy I Lamb. Mean, like, you, there's some there's some guys that you're like, all right, I'm into those guys. But like, the um, the the idea that you could, you know, hopefully the Sixers are good enough where teams want to play for a winner. They could say, yeah, I'll take this much to go like be a, a cog in this team. 
Um, I'm not sure. I I I, th- I think the I hear what you're saying. Like there's yeah. a ton of risk in a Jimmy Butler contract. I want to see the playoffs before I weigh in officially one way or the other. Um, yep. and I understand. See, and that. see how like it all comes together and how and how everybody acts and stuff. There's a chance that Jimmy doesn't just doesn't want to play here. Like if he's like, no, I want to go be the guy somewhere else before my you know career starts to decline. Um, but I, the the uncertainty of free agency of saying like, oh, look at all these guys we could get. Okay, you know, perfect perfect world. Like I do this with the draft, obviously. Like okay, so we have the twenty fifth pick, we have the thirty second pick, we have the thirty fourth pick, and the forty seventh pick, whatever. Um, if we can get if we can come away with these four guys, like I'll feel really good about the draft. But then like things happen and they get taken and they want to go somewhere else and you don't know or like there's stuff that we as fans don't know based on like oh this guy's personality is actually not cool. Like he doesn't he wouldn't blend in here. Like he's actually not someone that is just ever going to contribute to winning because he just doesn't give a shit. Like those kinds of things that you don't know about. Like all of it start to add up and then you're like really we need to get three of these four guys. Otherwise, we're gonna look. We're gonna be weak in these areas, and it, it there's the uncertainty of it all. It sort of sort of scares me. And, and having Jimmy Butler seems better than not having Jimmy Butler. But then you would think about the you know if if the three point shooting is is a more than just a blip. If that's just gonna how it's gonna be forever, that's a, obviously a big concern. Um, if if the I, I'm I'm giving him the benefit benefit of the doubt a lot that he's saving himself for for playoffs and and going to go harder in the playoffs which I, everybody does but for some reason it, it looks like Jimmy is like willingly like hitting the brake on himself um and if that's not the case then obviously I don't think he's anywhere close to a top 20 player if 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 this is just who he is now um but yeah I I hear it like it's a concern once you get there's not that much risk when you're the 2014 Sixers, like you're just not dealing with risk. You're saying like we're going to be in the lottery. This is great. Our, our, the only risk is like people in national media getting pissed off at you. Uh, but when you have like guys like us to be like, hey, it's all good. This is great. They're going to be yeah. bad and they're going to get lottery picks and like look at all the hope that it could be. And they still kind of bungled it by drafting three centers in a row, in a row which was tough. Um, but it was a lot of just like, we're good, this is fine. But then as you start to get good and as it starts to get real and you start to sign people to contracts and, 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 ca- and salary cap looks much more like tight than it did and you start to think like, well, would this guy come here? Could this guy come here? And you're saying like, are we good enough to be the best team in the East? Are we good enough to beat those kinds of teams? Then it's like the risk gets more and more. Like there's risk in yep. letting Jimmy walk. Like there's a lot of risk in letting Jimmy walk. So, I, you know, this is what they – Pay Elton Brand a lot of money for, and the and the surrounding cast of of guys that that Colangelo left behind. So, hopefully, the, you know he's cer- he's certainly not uh, uh, you know scared of taking chances. He has taken many already in his early yeah. in his tenure. So, we'll see. I mean, hopefully they make the right decision. But I think it's there, there's risk anyway. Your turn. So I think it's I, agree. I, I just lean my 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 position right now is just leaning like keep the good guys. That you have, but I, I hear that it could it could tank the franchise for a while if he if he just like if it just is a shit show. The the uh, the the two like I just addendums to that I would say is first of all they just have to be better at getting guys. I mean I look now the Clippers don't have the top end talent, but the Clippers are the like as good a team since Tobias Harris left. Now that is not a that's not an anti-Tobias Harris thing. That is just a, we've said before, like the Clippers have a roster full of players that would be great in the rotation for the Sixers, mm-hmm. like a whole roster full of them. But that's where the questions about like the Shamit trade and you're like, not you, but like when you're like, well, whatever, they just got the deal done, if that's your perspective mm-hmm. on it. And you're like, well, if you could have just kept that one extra first and used that to get one of those guys by packaging salary to get a, 
uh, you know, Lou Williams or Pat Beverly or whoever it is. Um, That's when those margin things are big. And the other thing I would say, just as the final part of this is, a lot of what I heard is, well, if you let Jimmy walk, then you traded Covington and Dario for nothing. You cannot operate that way. That part is over. Yeah. You use Covington and Dario for a shot at this working. And if you're not fully confident or confident enough in it working in the future, then you're just compounding that by, by re-signing him. So I don't, I don't think that can enter the equation. Yeah. I know a lot of the public outcry will be that, but I, I am here to say that, if, that I will support them letting him walk if they feel, even though they traded two of the guys that we fucking love, you know, um, I would support them letting him go if they think that's the right thing. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think they make the Jimmy Butler trade if they knew that they could make the Tobias Harris trade. I think they... Yeah, I agree. They would be fine keeping them. I, although Dario, I think, was going to walk anyway. Um, yeah, I look at the the, yeah. the Clippers trade is like, why why did they end up with Garrett Temple out of this? Like, Garrett Temple was right. really good in the Sixers uniform. That He's a guy that would absolutely help right now and, and be useful on both ends and just like keep the team together and it's it's a uh, you wish that you could get one uh, um, one or two more of those kinds of guys rather than like maybe Jonathan Simmons won't spaz so much in the playoffs or like could James Ennis like fit in his jersey <laughs> like it just seems like we're we're just counting on guys that are way more spazzy than they they should be for a team this good <laughs> Uh, before we have some fun mailbag questions coming up, but speaking of fun, let's talk about our final sponsor for this pod, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Mike, since the last pod when we talked about LL, I'm very, very into at the lottery party having a, uh, a game uh, on the stage called the Sponsorette, <laughs> uh, where all of the sponsors stand up on stage and only one gets a rose from you. Um, the problem is they have we, more leverage than. Than, than contestants on The Bachelor or Bachelorette do. Because, <laughs> that they, and they, they give just, us money? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you, LL would A, love to participate in the spas- yes, he, in the, he texted, in the me, he texted me about it. But he would be fucking furious if he did not <laughs> I'm win. I'm familiar. I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the first sponsor of the rookie, has sold 121 engagement rings to Ricky, right, Ricky Sanchez listeners, given away two engagement rings at lottery parties once when we had an engagement at a lottery party, once a full fucking wedding, if you remember that that happened last year with Pablo Torre uh, wedding them, and also created a uh, an insane TTP uh, diamond ring the first year we had at Xfinity Live. Um, LL... You know, you walk into jewelry stores, and I've been in a bunch of them, and a lot of them can be like, like really sort of pressure filled. They're on you as soon as you walk in. Um, there's usually a bunch of salespeople in there, and uh, you don't. It's really expensive. You don't know what you're looking at. LL, you walk in that place, and it's him. It's the guy who uh, wins the sponsorette or else, um, standing there, well dressed and ready to get you great jewelry at an amazing price. He's the guy that you have to go to. Um, and he takes care of Ricky listeners. Uh, I don't know if he still has the special, but I'm saying it is. If, uh, if you're a Ricky listener and you buy an engagement ring from him, at least for the next 90 days, he's going to buy your first year of engagement ring insurance. How about that? Um, also has a special flat engagement ring box, so you can keep it in your pocket for the big night um, or big day or big afternoon, big morning. If you want to buy an engagement ring from LL, give him a call or shoot him an email to set up an appointment before you do. 215-627-2252. You can email him at llpavorsky.com or you can tweet him at llpavorsky. Um, and for every podcast, LL makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. When you're here, you're always here for the right reasons. Another Bachelor reference. I know you're not a fan anymore, but people tweeted me asking if I was a Bachelor fan. I was like, yeah, I'm a Bachelor fan. Come on. Been tweeting about Bachelor for years. Yeah, I'm a little jealous of something, I guess, happened on The Bachelor this week that was awesome. And it made me, you know what I ended up getting out? It was the same thing that happened with WWE. At a certain point, it seemed like The Bachelor was on like three nights a week yeah. for two and a half hours a night. I feel it you. was too much. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it becomes like, this is the favorite th- my favorite thing I have in my life. Uh, and immediately I'm trapped in a prison of Bachelor episodes that I have to watch <laughs> a six hour, six night premiere. Just like nonsense. They, just, you just like have to like take, drink a bunch of water. And just like and power all, through it. 
all they do is they tease the one thing that's going to happen for an hour and a half. Yeah, we're very heavy on the fast forward, but yeah, still, it's it's yeah. yeah. All right, this one comes from Mike. Uh, Hey guys, big fan of the pod. Keep up the good work. I'm trying to forget the Bulls game happened, so I'm trying to find a different topic to discuss. Now that LeBron has the record for most points, I have a question. If LeBron, this is a fucking great question. If LeBron were to suffer a career-ending injury where there were 0% chance he could ever play again, do you think Michael Jordan would sign himself to a 10-day contract just to get above him in the scoring list? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really good. That is amazing. And I think the answer is yes. Yep. At least 25% chance that would happen. That, I, I, I said the other day, and I don't, are you... I, are you old enough to like remember, obviously you remember it happening, but remember the vibe when Barry Bonds passed Hank Aaron in the home run, um, uh, like all-time home run rankings? Yeah, what year was that? Like 05 or something? I don't remember, actually. Yeah, I guess you are. You're, 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 you're old enough to remember that. I don't remember. It seems longer ago. 2005. Case, yeah, there was this weird vibe where like everyone was acknowledging it, but like... And obviously for a different reason, but nobody was really comfortable with it. And when LeBron passed Jordan because of this year, and by the way, um, a couple of players on his team suspiciously were injured and could not play that night who had previously been ha- been healthy. It felt like it was a weird vibe. I, I don't feel bad for him because I think he has created this on his own. I think it's a, 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 a gross situation that's happened there, but... A part of me was like, oh, man, you passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list and, like, Rajon Rondo sitting, like, 35 seats away from everybody else. Alex Caruso got, um, like, the third hug. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, man, Jordan, the power move of Jordan re-signing himself to get 10 more points would be fucking amazing. It would be very funny. It would be one of, yeah. Um, this one comes from uh, Dan. Hi, guys. I know a while ago you talked about whether the Sixers being good was as fun to watch as the process seasons, and you had that list of team situations that was in order of how much fun it was. Oh, no, God, don't, don't repeat the team. I know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I thought the roster mess of the last few games has actually shifted things toward more fun for me. There's an element of not knowing what some of these guys are capable of, capable of or even who they really are um, that is reminiscent of the last couple of years. When Ennis dunked against the Bulls, I had to explain to my girlfriend who he is, and I realized I have no fucking idea even reddick on a dry spell is like watching a new guy (laughs) harris harris has been up and down game to game butler is a different guy in each quarter ben is a different animal without Embiid. justin Patton played and was kind of good i think is jonathan simmons chewing tobacco all the time can bolden shoot or not what is mike scott um what do you think isn't all this weird stuff actually great to watch yeah i mean that's part of it yeah if we if we were getting, would you it, say it that way? For sure. I mean, if we get a Highsmith in there, if if Shake and Zaire start playing, like that, that's the fun stuff. Absolutely, it's it feels almost beginning of the season level. I would love it as like a, hey, Boban and Amir are out, and so our backup center is now some combination of like Jonah Bolden or Justin Patton. Not Embiid mm-hmm. is out, and they're losing games now, and. Like it, it's harder to it's harder to enjoy when they're losing games that they they need to win because they need to get in the three seed. I think everyone's hysteria over the three seed is a little early. They're still like a game back, and everyone's like, "Are they blowing a chance to get the three seed?" It's like they're playing Indiana in two day into now tomorrow, and like they're a game back and they'll be fine. It's and they have a tough schedule, so part of it is like a little overblown. But I it'd be, I would enjoy this if this was. If they were winning, I would enjoy it more, I guess. I guess once you put the yeah. once the toothpaste is out, you can't put it back in. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my enjoyment over Jonathan Simmons is a separation from the reality yeah. of the fact that he's actually playing for the Sixers. Yeah. So uh, this comes from Vince. What is the, this is amazing because he, he has a nugget in here that I didn't know about. What is the weirdest thing we learned from the process? My vote is when Andre Karolinko got sent here and he refused to play for us. I was intrigued and Googled some things. I came across an article from 2013 that says his wife has given him permission to cheat on him once a year because he is a very desirable man being an athlete and all. Here's the link. If, if we're being honest, he's not particularly attractive. Not. Would love to hear both of your takes. Shout out, Kinetic Skate. Well, isn't, wasn't, she, wasn't his wife sick 
at the yeah. time? Yeah, well, he lied about it, though. Like, like part of that whole thing about him wanting to go be with his wife, I think, was horseshit. I think that whole thing, I think the Sixers lied to him and said they would cut him, and they didn't. And I, I thought, I think a lot of that stuff was horseshit. That was a weird thing. Did he ever play in um, the NBA again? No, I don't think so. His last team was a Sixer? Do you think he retired as a Sixer? <laughs> so when he goes into the Hall of Fame? I think so. He has to be. <laughs> uh, I would say the weirdest thing I learned from the process was um, that I didn't, that honestly, the, the, the idea of stop caring if they win or not was a, a truly mind-blowing thing for me. I don't think anything else comes close. I know that is not what he was looking for, but that's sort of the thing. And I learned that Jerry Colangelo was still alive. Um, I thought he had been dead for several years. So anything Mm. from you? I mean, it's hard to separate the process from this podcast. And Mm -hmm. uh, I never thought that I would be referred to as a cult leader multiple times. Right, that is different. That That was a weird thing. I don't think I've ever encouraged anyone to harm themselves or others, aside from booing the occasional Malcolm Morogdon. Doug Collins. Yeah, well, that's he deserves it. Um, but yeah, the losing games. I was I was born for that. I was I was born to uh, be read be read like lottery odds and be fine with these like you know people just wearing laundry rooting for them to lose. Like I was fine with that. Spencer Hawes, absolutely get out of here, lose. That was that was no problem for me. But um, did I learn anything else about myself? I mean, I think there's there's like a hope element to it that I think was that we all found appealing of like it's hard now, but in the future it's going to be better, like that kind of thing. There's that's a very human mm-hmm. human thing. I thought that was a nice sort of part about the process that I think uh, any you know say a thirty for thirty could uh, spend a, a quick segment on. Sure. Um, yeah, just a 30 for 30, just, just quick, off the top of my head. You yeah. know, I don't know if someone was like, if they decide to do something like that. All right, two more. I think they're both good ones. This one comes from John. Question I've been thinking about for the last week with Brett Brown calling Embiid the crown jewel and Josh Harris mentioning that he includes Embiid when he makes big personnel decisions. How do you think Ben Simmons takes this? Wouldn't they be better served mentioning them together when making comments like this? At what point do they risk alienating Ben with these comments? I can't imagine many top 10 players, which Ben may ultimately become, taking kindly to having someone else treated more importantly than them. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, think, um, I think it's clear now that Embiid is the best player on the team. I think that's pretty clear. That might not always be the case, and Ben might be a lot closer. Um, I think like my guess is they that Ben knows that the Sixers love him, and um, it does seem like he and Embiid. Um, I don't know. It seems like something has grown over the last couple of months with them in a positive way. So, but I think it's smart for them to think about both of them when they think about saying things like that. I, I don't think that's a crazy thing to bring up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then finally, this one comes from Jeff. Spike and Mike, I recently took my first trip to MSG and saw Joel Embiid almost murder Regina King. I even caught a t-shirt during the fourth quarter. It's a Knicks shirt, so I'll probably just give it to a friend. The next week, I drove five hours to watch their Sixers, the Sixers get their ass kicked by the Trailblazers and then five hours back home. I think the Blazers have grabbed three offensive rebounds since starting drafting this email. I went to MSG because I've always wanted to go there. <clears throat> And I went to see them play Portland since Damian Lillard has long been my favorite player, not on the Sixers, and I've always wanted to watch him play live. It was tough because I couldn't really root for him to do well since he was playing against the Sixers. My question is what players that have never played for the Sixers do you like or enjoy watching? Well, Andrew Bynum. (laughs) And that is the pod. That is the end of the pod. Uh, I love watching Steph Curry. Uh, I'm a big Steph guy. Um, I've said a bunch of times I love, um, um, what's his name? Um, Marcus All. No, I don't love Marcus All. I do love Marcus Smart. Um, <clears throat> I like Marcus Smart when we're not playing against him. I'm just being real here. Um, I do like Damian Lillard too. 
Um, and uh, well, why can't I think of the guy that I actually like? Oh, uh, Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I love Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I just fucking do. Uh, I love Tyler it, Johnson. I like, uh, I really like watching Kawhi. It's, uh, hmm. I just find him very impressive. Um, I also like watching Chris Paul. And then there's the guys of like people I was right about that I feel pride. Yeah. Like I like watching yep. Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. And had there not been more of a Donovan Mitchell thing, I would I would love watching Donovan Mitchell, although I, that's sort of an issue for me now. Um, well, I like watching Conley also. He's really good. He doesn't get enough credit. Um, yeah, and then there's like young guys figuring it out. Darren Fox, I like watching. I guess these are mostly guards. Who's a big Who's a big guy I like watching? Jokic is so weird to watch. I know you're not a fan, but like he's so weird and big. Watching him and Demarcus go up against each other last night was so odd. There's just so much body touching each other, just really just like booby pressing each I've other. I've always on the court. I've always liked Gallinari. Uh, I always felt like he killed us. I always felt like every shot was going in sure. when when he was on the Knicks. Um, Lou Williams now. Hmm. I've I've, appre- yeah. I've come to appreciate Lou Williams having not been on our team anymore, and he is obviously someone that we could use. But um, God, he's really good. He just he just hits exactly the shots he's supposed to hit. Um, and I've always been a Pat Bev guy too. I've always yeah. been. I've always liked Beverly. Yeah. I'm trying to think of center. Uh, I like watching Stephen Adams as a center. Oh. He's, uh, he's really? Very, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's amusing good. sometimes. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Physically, he's pretty incredible. Like he looks indestructible, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so the uh, instead of playing Run the Jewels, I want to. Um, I asked if we could put it in the pod, and he said yes. So um, this guy, I know when I say Seventy Sixers rap song, like m- most people will groan, and you will groan. But I'll send you this, or you'll listen to it, and it's actually good. And at some point in it, he says, "Listening to the Ricky." Um, which I really appreciated. Yeah. So, Wait, can I, I have two more points yeah, to make before yeah. we go. So we're. Uh, yep. Let me just say. Let me just say his his Twitter and Instagram. Hemi H E E M Y seven six. So there you cool. go. Cool. All right. Go ahead. Uh, so the Sixers have a three game homestand against the Pacers, Cavs, and Kings, which is the longest homestand left of the season. They actually only have four home games left after the this three game homestand. Um, That's crazy. They have nine games on the road even though it's a pretty easy schedule and all the road games are I think probably on this side of the country or, or close to it um, even though this is a pretty easy schedule a lot of these games are on the road so they need to win these games obviously they need to win the Pacers game the Cavs game at home is easy and the King the Kings at home is not an easy matchup but they, they need to win it so um, just some must some weird weird must win games at this point because they got they got some road road stuff, and this is the longest that they're going to have to like. If they're ever going to practice again as a team, like it's going to be this week, um, because they have uh, they have three days. It's Tuesday and then a Friday against the Kings. So hopefully, one of those Wednesday or Thursday they they practice. But um, this is it, man. They got it. They got If they're going to get it, they're going to get it here. So so beat the Pacers, beat the beat the Cavs, beat the Kings. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up, just watching Harden play, because I think you tweeted about how patient he is in the pick and roll, and he just has such control over everything on the court. Um, and obviously, D'Antoni's system gives him all the space in the world to do what he wants. When was the last time that, a, that someone on the Sixers hit a roll man diving in the pick and roll? Oh, my God. And even like Butler, who is, I would say, the most proficient at pick and roll, does not do that. Yeah. Like, and, and first of all, our, our guy doesn't roll. And when he does, um, Butler, Butler seems to be a driving kick guy more than a pass to the roll guy. Mm-hmm. But that is a, a very apt observation. Because, you are right. Because they'll do like, occasionally JJ, both guys will run at JJ and he'll hit Embiid or Simmons on the dive just for a wide open thing. But the way that like Harden and Capella just do like a, I'm either going to hit this floater and the, putting, the, putting the guard on your hip and having the big who drop back have to decide between guarding Harden's floater or Capella lob. And it just seems like the Sixers never get into that situation. TJ had a lob to, to uh, Justin Patton last night for his first uh, bucket of the year, which was nice. Um, but, like, it's never in that such a contained, confined space that makes it easy. Like, occasionally, just like imagine seeing Butler 
handling the ball, guy on his hip, and Embiid is there or Simmons is there. And it's just like they never get those situations. And it, you know, the the only guy that ever does it is McConnell, it seems like. Yeah. I, I seem to remember a couple of McConnell pick and rolls with him hitting the roll guy, but only him. I, I think it's also because, like, and that's why it's refre- refreshing to see Patton. I think Bolden does this a lot also when they let him. It's like watching them dive, like just having a rim runner who just does the job, just set screens and runs. Like Patton is, mm-hmm. has simplified the game for himself so much. Of Just like, this is what I do. I'm going to set screens, and I'm going to roll, and I'm just going to keep doing that until it's time to play defense. And they just don't make the pass. Like there's a mm-hmm. – like they'll get hedged and maybe trapped a little bit, and they won't look to just make a quick – like whether it's a pocket pass or like a jump pass to a to a diving big, it just doesn't seem to happen. I don't know if it's because they don't care about it, but like or if they are not making decisions quick enough or I don't know. But it's I would like to start hitting the roll man for some easy dunks or lobs. I agree. That's it. Um I would love that. I would love My that. final thought. All right. Okay, let's beat the Pacers tomorrow. It would be nice if if Embiid came back. And I will repeat I, I've said a couple I I know people, there is a little bit of, I wish they were more um, honest about what's going on about Embiid. I think they actually are being honest about what's going on with Embiid. I don't think there's anything that they're hiding. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get back than others. So I, I, I understand why people would be suspicious, but I don't think that's the case here. All right. Um, enjoy the final song. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, look face. And also, I'm tired of doing podcasts after losses. I don't yes, want to do it anymore. You and me, but it's bad. <laughs> Just win the rest of the games. It'll make life really easy it, for us. Win them very, all. Very easy. Win them all. All right. See you. Rookie of the year, 16 MB. Ball like Simmons. No, I'm number one pick. Red, white, blue. Headed for the top and name. We ought to do. Yeah, like Swish, I'll never miss D crazy, only throwing up his bricks Dribble drive kicks for the baseline J Once you walk inside the city, dog, you know you gotta stay I fade away Oh, give it a JJ for the tray I hit the floor, dog, I do this every day I was destined Number three, that's the answer to your question Berserk with the bar, my team's awesome Grit like TJ, things too easy Free for the tie, cause I just got a dime With the game on the line, guess it's my time to shine Game impeccable, break the volume, crazy decibels Something special when the bus touch down No fakes allowed, yeah, no fakes allowed Mild manner like the silent fresh prince Triple double on your head and you still ain't convinced But the game never changed, it's the same old trick Seven six and you made you would've thought the game fixed But the game never changed, it's the same old trick Seven six and you made you would've thought the game fixed, yeah Now clap As he 